be full of fright. I grant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. Woo. This is episode 41 of the Dispatchist, Heroes and Harrowings, part one? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the first part of our next trilogy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Are we ever... I mean, I, you know, I'm fine with it. But um, yeah, there's just still so much. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm confident that I'm Jacob. I'm mm, tentative. You started out I'm confident, thick. but now that you saw him being confident, you're like, I don't know if both of us can be confident. No, there can be only one. But only one Jacob. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's quite a lot of us, actually. <laughs> however, however, if you climb to the top of the hill and push him off, you could be the next Jacob. Ooh. Ooh. So, point of order. Yeah. If you climb to the top of a hill and push someone off, you just push them down. But if you're the Highlander and you're Sean Connery... But or hill- hills are fairly tame institutions <laughs> right if you go to that trash mound yeah, you put just, somebody off you know at best i land on my face and get kind of grimy that's and right irritable and i'm already irritable are you asking for more bloodshed or less less well this is not ask the less, one and only jacob this is not bloodshed this is just like inconvenience it's true it's a slap fight it's a highlander slap fight by the way guy with the beard who are you Hi, I'm Jamin this week. Excellent. Where, where are you in the world? I'm calling in remote from sunny, uh, what circle is this? <laughs> oh, that's a very good question. Like maybe... The circle of retirees. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or of serpents. It's there's a lot of serpents oh, there. Oh, yeah. But it might be, there's a lot of sunshine, so it's probably the top level. Yeah, did mm. you guys read Zant when you were kids by Piers Anthony, Zant? Yes. The, the terrible, terrible magic stories. It was yeah. adequate at the time if you were 15. I loved them when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm calling from Zan. Awesome. Oh, okay. okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad you made it in. Yeah. So did anybody bring anything to the party? Well, I have this like weird gold cup that I got at the thrift store and it's got some <laughs> blood in it. But I think we could all drink from it. I brought some straws in case you're kind of ooky about, the, about sharing. Sharing your, your dried, crusty blood I'm goblet? less concerned about sharing your alcoholic beverages than drinking from an unwashed thrift cup. Blood, blood, blood stein. I feel like alcohol is a disinfectant, so just add more? It's psychological. Yeah, I suppose so, but I like thrift store blood stein. That's going to be my drag name. <laughs> well, what is in this disturbing chalice? Oh, just blood. Oh. Just like the, this blood came with it, so... Uh, okay, we'll get um, a really, really I mean, thick win, straw. Win. <laughs> a question, like to narrow down the number of chalices this could be, mm-hmm. when you pour the blood out, is there still blood in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it does refill. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. It's a, self, it's a self-filling thrift store blood stein. <laughs> Five dollars. <laughs> It was it was weird because it was kind of hovering in the back, and every time, like you couldn't look directly at it. 
Hmm. And yeah, yeah. You have to like yeah. sneak up on it to grab it. I did. Mm-hmm. And it still had the blue sticker on it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I think it's quite a find. Well, all I got is saltwater taffy. Mm. Oh. Does it come in flavor or just salt? No, it, it's like each box has like 27 different colors in it. Mm-hmm. And they all taste like pure sugar. So I, I presume That's the right. watermelon colored ones taste like sugar. The licorice ones taste like sugar. I've, I've, I've got extra and like just to spoil the surprise, you're both getting a box. Oh, Ooh, thank you. Can I give it back? No. Oh. The yellow ones taste like circus peanuts. I like the peanut butter ones a lot. Oh. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they make durian saltwater taffy. Well, now you've got a project. Hmm. Googling you could now. do it where you are rather than where we are. I was thinking, like, this is the kind of thing, like, everyone brings back boxes of saltwater taffy from vacation mm-hmm. and leaves them at the office, right? Taffy Town Tropical Taffy Mix, five pounds. Ooh, okay. But is it durian? It is. It is not durian. I feel lied to by Google. <laughs> Google's been letting me down lately. But I have a recipe for durian saltwater taffy. That's kind of alarming. Ooh. I think yeah. this is something that has to happen, but we have to open the durian outside. Yeah, and all doors. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd use your house. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> uh, we're on the fifth circle of hell. I don't think the smell gets any worse outside. Oh, that's a good point. I, I feel like we're kind of inured to it at this point. Close the window, keep the durian in while it's fresh. <laughs> you could use, oh, see, you could use a durian air freshener, like one of those air glade things with this, with the <gasps> kind of weird uh, gelatinous goo that you stick your fingernails yes. into. That's mm. the kind of thing, like, you you go visit someone's house, but you leave it, like, Behind the couch so they can't find it. <laughs> oh, God. You should probably go look behind the couch. If I don't know if I could top the entertainment value of Durian, but I brought some entertainment. Ooh. Mm. Being bitten by bribable judges. <laughs> I'll so... give you a dollar not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they're bribable. Yeah, there's an easy out here. Or yeah. are you asking them to bite you? Wait, wait, wait. Mm. A dollar on the other shin. <laughs> See? I feel like they, yeah, they they would pay you for the honor of biting them. Yeah, well, over time, you might run out of fivers, though. That's true. Okay, so bribable, je- by being bitten by bribe. That's very alliterative, too. It I is, feel like you're, you're messing with your algorithm. It's no. also very short. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, sometimes that's how hell works. Sometimes that's how hell works. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes hell, I mean, there's no, you know, like, sometimes you're just there for a little while. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, five-minute torments. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that does happen in Arthurian legend, so. And then your family buys your way out. There is nothing that's five minutes in Arthurian legend. Not five minutes, yes. Mm -hmm, But not the forevers. Did you have a nice time at HavenCon? I had a fantastic time at HavenCon, even though I was only there briefly, but we had a lovely session and got to meet a lot of cool people. We did. We got to meet the guy that writes Halloween Man. Well, we re-met Halloween Man through Edwards. Well, I hadn't met him before, so we oh, got to meet sorry. him. Oh, yeah. sorry. I thought that you, you got met to meet him, him already. The... We got to yep. meet him for the first time. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, was a. We both had a, a memorable experience. Yeah, we ran. Hopefully, we'll have a video of this soon. We had the demonology for writers panel. It went pretty well. I think there was like thirty people, and they applauded at the end, and nobody left in disgust. People asked questions and made comments. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. I said, 
let's not talk about demonic summoning. And someone asked if I could summon a Leviathan for them. And things got weird. It did a little bit. <laughs> you should have said, yes, that'll be $5. Well, we yeah. shouldn't have done it in the breakfast buffet. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be messy. I have an offer to do the same panel, more or less, at Texas Furry Fiesta, but they mm. want the dial to the blue shifted all the way to the right. <laughs> is, that, is that possible? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when is Texas Furry Fiesta? Uh, October 10th-ish. Hmm, cool. Okay. Yeah. We also met Jarrett, who does an Assassin's Creed podcast. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. But I think you talked with him a, a bit, too. I, oh, yeah, 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 I did. He had some mm-hmm. questions to ask during the presentation. And afterwards, I met a new podcast, new to me at least, the Spirits Podcast, which is drunken folklore. They take apart a myth every week. Ooh. So it's yeah. like spirits, but also spirits. Right, yeah, spirits? their emblem is like a glowing green cocktail glass with a skull in it. Well, it seem like our kind of people. I think so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you're planning on inviting us over... Don't worry, Jacob edited out the prior part where I said I'd leave durian behind your couch. Yes. <laughs> a durian air glade. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think he edited that out. Um, oh, no, don't worry. He totally <laughs> will. They'll never suspect anything. <laughs> Maybe durians as a whole can sponsor us the actual fruit. <laughs> this episode of The Dispatches brought to you by... The worst fruit in the world. <laughs> but they're sentient, sentient durians. What? Oh, no. <laughs> they look kind of like alien autopsies when you take them apart. They do. They really do. <laughs> Delicious alien autopsies. <laughs> I really think that we're ignoring the very pressing and important hell news for the week. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Earth-shattering developments in hell, Michigan. Jamin, do you want to tell us your story? It's the cutest thing ever. So. Mayor of Michigan for the day was Jinx the TikTok cat. What what town in Michigan? Hell, Michigan. Sorry, mm-hmm. Hell. Mayor of Hell. Um, I don't know who, what, where, where, when, but it was just like there's a cat, and the story is I rescued this kitten, says the owner, and the kitten had big eyes and funny feet, so it's kind of clumsy, and it grew up with big eyes and funny feet, so it's just this adorable, poor, clumsy, on cat. And the cat was hell of Michigan. Congratulations. I think it was April 22nd. The funny little ore feet are really adorable. Mm-hmm. It's true. So the oatmeal is making an Exploding Kittens TV series. What? Yes. And here's, do you want to know what the narrative is going to be? The overall motif? How can there even be? Yes. How? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's about the eternal conflict between heaven and hell. And when specifically when God and the devil are sent to earth, but in the bodies of cats. Really? Yes. That is a level of metatextuality that the first did not have. I am so excited because it is going to star Tom Ellis, TV's Lucifer. Oh. And Mark Prosk, who is the, it was Colin Robinson on what we do in the shadows, the energy vampire. And oh. it, Lucy Liu. Oh, my. Why is this happening? And, <laughs> I don't know, but it's awesome. It's so and strange. It is very strange and exactly what the world needs right now. But also there's Abraham Lim, who I'm not familiar with. Ali Maki, who I think I've heard of, but I couldn't place what she's been in. And so Shira Zamata. Huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Like, I just exploding kittens or something, right? Yeah, I guess the kittens in a Blender movie would have been too short. <laughs> but I just realized we have a theme. We just had a theme for our hell news. Cat? Cat? Cats. Cats doing stuff. Okay. Cats doing hell stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cats, cats doing hell stuff. Well, before we start our topic, I have one more thing I'd <laughs> like to- topic? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Sorry. to this, this trilogy of hell, which is- <laughs> Why is it so long? <laughs> the same thing we do every night, Pinky. <laughs> Next episode, we may take a little breather from our Irish invasion, number 14, because next episode is episode 42 of The Dispatchist, and we were talking about maybe having something about the questions of everything, 10 questions that we really need to answer about hell from our friends and listeners and people that we're going to ask to ask questions, even though they're neither friends nor listeners. If you have a question, any question remotely related to hell, feel mm-hmm. free and ask us. Tweet us, call us, record yourself, us. put it on Twitter space. Victoria's cell phone number is... <laughs> Six six eight six, six. seven five three oh nine. <laughs> I was just gonna say, wow, it's amazing. Jacob edited that out really well. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the what answer. Is, yeah, no, we might. Well, we will have an answer. An mm-hmm. answer. We will have an answer. It will be well reasoned and pulled off Wikipedia. Oh, we 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 engage with scholarship. At least I do. <laughs> what you guys do? <laughs> Does that mean work at a college? Yes. <laughs> I mean, JSTOR is my friend. <laughs> um, topic. Oh, uh, we are talking about Arthurian legend, specifically the Holy Grail. Excellent. Which mm-hmm. is a metaphor for something. Right. So we will figure that out once we get through the story. So uh, how much do you guys know about <laughs> the Holy Grail, the search for the Holy Grail? We have, Maybe for movies? Yeah, we have the Python references. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Really? Oh yeah, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, and I've oh, seen. Oh duh, yeah. Uh-huh. I've seen the Fisher King like five times, but not in the last two decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, we found a floating chalice at Goodwill. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. That was real. And Excalibur. Yes, mm-hmm. and I read um, the Da Vinci Code in twenty minutes. <laughs> what? Oh. I have to say, uh, those books are really good book tapes because, you know, you don't have to pay a whole lot of attention. Yeah, um, and they add the, the, like, tuba solo when something goes wrong. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> and they have... The <laughs> I, oh, man, when did that book come out? The slide whistles! Slide whistles! <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, I remember having read the entire book and thinking, this is far too engrossing, and I am, like, I have to know what happens next. And at the very end, I was like, what have I just read? And then I obviously in- forgot all of it. Mm-hmm. Was, was there a Holy Grail? There was a Mickey Mouse watch. It was, the, it was like the, a conspiracy that believed they were related to Christ through blood. Like, that was going the, the, the Sarang Grail route. Was it the Knights Templar? Yeah, yeah the Rosicrucians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like you could have gotten from Focal and be just perfectly happy. Not Focal. Um, who wrote Focal's Pendulum? That guy. Uh, it's Umberto Echo. Right, right, right. It's mm-hmm. a difficult read. And he wrote The Name of the Rose, too, right? Yeah, I think he did. Okay. Well, I'll agree with it. 
Did he write one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish? No, he wrote the things you'll see or the places you'll go. Sorry. <laughs> the places you'll go. Uh huh. He wrote the places you'll go. Okay. Arthurian legend. <laughs> so the reason why I thought we would talk about Arthurian legend, specifically the Holy Grail, because it is a bit of a hell journey in Thomas Mallory's telling of it in Lamorte de Arthur. Right. Um, which is which the big I'm one. Sure, which is the big one that everybody's read in school. And um, I just want to say off the tippy top, uh, I do not know why Mallory hates women so much. <laughs> I never realized that. But. Oh my freaking god! He yeah, does not like yeah, women. he kind of yeah, kind of. yeah. It kind of feels like the dominant metaphor is one of avoiding women. Yeah, it really, really, really is, and I feel like you've got some things to say about that. Not that you avoid women, but you know, no, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're friends, so yeah. I mean, you don't answer my calls, and when I'm outside your house, you kind of <laughs> like I see the curtains moving. And you're holding the jam box out there. <laughs> That's right, playing a what is it? Something sex party? Your favorite band? Ninja sex party? <laughs> <laughs> that would really that would like me playing to type with them. <laughs> I wanted to call them Alien Sex Fiend because that's another that's a more punky gothy Great band. Great name but- for a band. They're awesome. Um, so we should have a little alien sex fiend versus ninja sex party. <laughs> Bracket. Dance, angry dance off. Um, <laughs> I want to point out, and this is like a super brief telling of it that we are all going to engage in. So I know you guys know part of the story. You will interject lots of things. Yes. <laughs> so, but I just want to, uh, whoever's listening, to know that I've that in my version I've removed a lot of the interpersonal drama and battle stuff because I'm not particularly interested in that right now. Oh, the interpersonal like, stuff is going to be there, but the battle stuff not so much. Yeah, those are the parts that I skip through in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's it's the, the boring stuff. So our story begins on Pentecost, which I feel though that this uh, the episode during the Pentecost dinner feels a little bit more like a Last Supper. Right, right. And Pentecost is after Easter, not before. Yeah, it's 50 days after Easter when the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles. So conceivably... Yeah, and allegorical point, Pentecost is this period of the church season that represents like the beginning of the Book of Acts. People like take the message of God into the world, which is very much what happens with the knights. Oh! And it's also called Whit Sunday or Whitson, which I did not know. Yeah, I was disappointed it had nothing to do with Walt Whitman. No, sorry. <laughs> that would be a, a, another holiday entirely that involved um, young soldiers, I think. Whits- um, Whitsmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Whitsmas miracle. It's a Whitsmas. Oh, I can't even say it. <laughs> I'm dreaming of a Walt Whitman. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> to spoon with me in the <laughs> battlefield. Okay. Did you know that Whitson, though, is celebrated with Morris dancing and cheese rolling? I didn't until very recently, and that makes mm-hmm. me happy. At the we same should celebrate time? Whitson. <laughs> so m- they get them confused sometimes. So there's cheese dancing and Morris rolling. <laughs> Morris rolling? <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Jim. <laughs> there could be only one, Jim. And the cheese one. <laughs> so wit means wisdom, not white, and nor does it mean Walt Whitman. But so, like, the gist of this dinner is that there's discussion of filling the Siege Perilous, which is that empty 
chair at the table that's supposed to be like the best night in the world is going to fill thought it someday. A, I thought a siege was like a little cusp of grass that grew in a swamp. This is, it's S-E-U-G-E. So I don't know why it's called the Siege Perilous. I'm going to look this up in every dictionary. Wait, are you serious <laughs> about the graph? That's, I think you're thinking about a sedge, right? But the chair is the Siege Perilous. And uh, there's a whole sword in the stone thing that will determine who fills that seat. But spoiler alert, Galahad, Lancelot's son, is the one who ends up getting the sword and the chair. Um, thus, the the quest begins. They have a tournament, of course, once they decide that Galahad is the dude, and he wins, and then the Holy Grail appears. So Sunday is sit on a sword day. <laughs> and then there's prophecies of doom. I, I I think that the reason nobody sits in the vacant seat left by Merlin is because Merlin is kind of bitchy about people taking his seat. Merlin, he like gives you the stink Moylan. eye. Moylan. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an interesting figure. It seems like he's kind of gotten. It seems like he is an easy mark. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not there, and he wears a funny dress anyway. That's true. So. I know. The Holy Grail appears in like it's not it's not in its full glory. It's like hidden behind a sparkling velvet curtain or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it appears, it makes all of the guys hotter. It really does. It really does. But also, it's that kind of hotness uh, that uh, when you know somebody's going to die. So oh, I didn't get wait, that. Wait, whoa, <laughs> hang on. I didn't quite get that. I mean, there's a prophecy of doom here, but yep. Mm-hmm. They're all wearing red shirts, is what you basically <laughs> It's think. true, like, all, except for three of them. Three of them are not wearing red shirts. Well, four, I guess, well, four of them, I think. But uh, three of them succeed. Spoiler alert again. <sighs> a um, lot of death. Yeah, there's a lot of death. Like there's also a, a lot of, like, everybody's very pre-doomed in this. Like, the, the prophecy mm-hmm. of doom starts on, like, they're, like, footnoted. Every character appears, and there's a footnote saying, this character will die soon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the unless um, they become a monk. <laughs> it's like the director cut of Spinal Tap, where it's like, well, he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, or the opening scene of Pitch Black, where they line up in, in death order. <laughs> right, right. But so we have this kind of poignant moment that reminds, like, it seems more of a Last Supper scene where King Arthur and Guinevere are sad because this is the last time the band's gonna be together. Like. They have a not only doom like most of these guys are going to die, but also this is the end of the round table. And that's really the only time, like, Arthur's out now. Like, you just don't see him for the rest of the, the story, pretty oh, much. Oh, that's kind of a letdown. Yeah, I know. It's an Arthurian legend, but, you yeah. know. It's, so it's kind of like, you know, Jesus, like, <laughs> kind of like, like, he sort of left for a little while. So, I mean, well, you know. Three days. <laughs> And boy, did things go downhill fast. It's true. It's true. He was pretty load-bearing. So the first, uh, our first uh, dude we're going to focus on is Galahad. So he wins, again, I'm, I'm making this very brief. He wins a white shield from a white knight. And the shield is important because it was Joseph of uh, Arimathea uh, had drawn a cross on it with blood. Question. Yes. Will we hear the name Joseph of Arimathea more than once today? Yes, we will. So, uh, actually, I have a drinking game that goes along with this, but oh, it's hell. not related to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll announce that when it's time. So, maybe, Joseph, whenever we hear his name, that's when you take a drink of water to pr- 
protect you from the drinking game that is to come. Stay hydrated, friend. Shot glass of olive oil. Exactly. So, yeah, eat some saltines whenever we say Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea is a recurring guest on our podcast, actually. Did he give you a shield? No. <laughs> but some he was, rando blood. <laughs> he was a major figure in the Gospel of Nicodemus. Mm, yes, he was. And the mm-hmm. Testament of Pilate. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. This is the story of how Jesus was resurrected, went to hell, and kicked everybody out of hell, and came back. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this particular Morta author is really like Gospel or Testament of Nicodemus fanfic, actually. Because, it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's an expansion of Joseph Arimathea's role as the guy that buried Jesus and like took some skin samples or something like that. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. And also, he was originally a doubter, or he was keeping his belief under wraps with he and Nicodemus, right? Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they're kind of interesting figures. But yeah, he's he's throughout this. Um, and he's even a part of the post-Arthurian legend, too. Okay. So, we have our the first of many demon battles. So, Galahad, then he overcomes a fiend in a graveyard, and... <laughs> Here's where the drinking game comes in. Oh, oh no. When, whenever a mansplainy good person, or uh, whenever a mansplainy holy man, good man, busybody <laughs> right. shows up and explains. Blessed busybody. Like, actually, what just happened means this. That's when you need to take a shot. Maybe someone like accidentally fused the original Mort to Arthur with the cliff notes to Mort to Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But I mean, I do think this is like, these these guys are Basil Exposition of Lamorca <laughs> Arthur. So presumably, the blood on the shield that Doodleheimer gave to Babadibu was Jesus's blood, at least in this allegorical image. Yep. That seems mm-hmm. pretty likely because Jesus's blood is important in the Grail myth. Yes. And uh, it was given to Galahad by Aflac. Aflac. Yeah. Yes, because the Holy Grail, that was the cup that Joseph used to collect the blood from Jesus's wounds. Right. Mm hmm. I don't know if that's actually the. It's all true. Everything is true. <laughs> Every single bit is true. And it is here in front of you with a straw in it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it's if you add some some black pepper and some horseradish to this, it's really not that bad. It's, you basically made Jesus tartare. Right. Is there a drink called the Bloody Sunday? There's going to be one. There's definitely a Bloody Caesar and a Bloody Mary. I think you can bloody up anything. Bloody Sunday recipe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Basil bourbon? No. Basil Hayden bourbon, orange juice, grenadine, violet liqueur, and a vanilla bean. Uh, Basil, orange, vanilla. There's no Basil Hayden bourbon. I guess that's the brand name. Yeah. It's some guy named Basil Hayden? Probably. So, given, uh, since we're talking about really bad drink names, there's a drink that is at some chain restaurants that may be named from the day of a week, I think, if that's the right restaurant I'm thinking of, uh, called the Irish Car Bomb. We don't talk about those. No. <laughs> it's like, too too soon, for real. Not in polite company. <laughs> Not funny. Anywho, let's talk more about drinking blood or wiping, decorating things with blood. So, of course, a mansplainy good man. His name is Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so the body, of course, the in, in, this, in the graveyard signifies the foulness of the world, 
corrupt with the hatred of fathers and sons. And that's one of the reasons why Christ was born of a virgin. So another drinking game every time a woman is dissed. Uh, <laughs> dissed. So we're going to get pretty damn drunk here. Okay. So we're beginning with the allegory of women are bad and K. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. That is a great way to start. It's always a great way to start a story. So Galahad then toddles off to overcome the sin of pride, which makes him a candidate for finding the Holy Grail. Oh, so there's also right, right, right. like Everyone this checklist. Personal battles they have to take care of. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Must be this pure to enter. Exactly. It's kind of like this very convoluted and murderous version of the, you know, driving test. What if somebody got it easy? Like Jacob. You must overcome this carrot cake. <laughs> it's in the fridge. It's got cream cheese frosting, and you cannot move forward in your quest until it's gone. But but it's high carb. <laughs> That's, You're oh, it's a sacrifice. The battle. Oh no. That's right. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, I found the. I found it in a thrift store. Hello. <laughs> you found the carrot cake in a thrift store. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Granted, I had to like pull a fork out of a unknown piece of something that was in the corner but you know whatever. it'd be really hard to pull the fork out of the fork basket at goodwill because that thing's messy oh my god yeah so many like 77 forks hanging (laughs) on your one fork (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile anywho so galahad toddling about he's sent to the maiden's castle really and yes is. is he a maiden well is he no Okay. Oh. Don't, so, don't think so this is go figure a fairly didactic scene. Um, there's a reference to the harrowing, a harrowing of hell because for seven years the castle has been held by seven brothers who murder knights and constrain maidens. Okay, just, and so you probably just yep. talk to them. <laughs> I know. I can, well, like, won't shut so, up. So uh, it looks like you're reading. Um, <laughs> what What are you reading? On a totally unrelated note, did I send you the picture of biblically accurate Clippy? Yes. I was <laughs> yeah. terrified. I haven't slept. We have to share that. Yeah. So this is really like seven constrained brides for seven constrained, seven deadly <laughs> brothers. But Galahad drives off the brothers. Uh, he doesn't, he, he drives them off. He never kills because, unless God tells him to, of course. And Sir Gawain and Sir Gareth and Sir Ewain slay them, so they're never going to get to the Grail. The castle, as as you may imagine, um, is seen to signify the good souls imprisoned before the incarnation, which is the bodily birth of Christ. And the seven knights are the deadly sins, and Galahad is a representative of Christ. Do you buy that? No. Okay. I don't. That's just tell, tell us more. Say more. Well, about that. I mean, it's, it's unless the seven brothers have like unique characteristics, and then like sloth wouldn't have joined the battle at all. It's just the number <laughs> seven. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, that's my D and D character typically is sloth. <laughs> and uh, to the best of my knowledge, like no one resurrected that day, and. Like when Galahad makes a very poor representative of Christ, because when he sees Joseph of Arimathea, he wants to die. I just don't think Joseph would take it that well. This is a very muddled allegory. It's like, okay, there's seven. Well, let's extrapolate from that number, shall we? <laughs> I mean, okay. how low wild would it be seven? Like, if it were any other number they didn't want to extrapolate, they would have used that number. 64. 
There are 23 layers of hell. Good point. And actually, as you pointed out, there are more than seven sins. Yeah. Wait, Mm -hmm. what? I'm behind. We're going to do a whole series on those. We invented three. (laughs) (laughs) We did? The three of us? Uh Uh-huh. It was a workshop. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, That's bre- how we got our badges. Yeah, breadlust. That was my favorite. <laughs> uh, so we're going to leave Galahad. Okay, bye. For a little bit. Bye, Galahad. So now we are going to Percy. Percival. Yes. Percival. Percy. Mm-hmm. Little Percy, who's kind of feral before he came a, a knight. <laughs> Was he really? I couldn't find that. Well, he just wasn't of knightly quality. Oh, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he, you know, he yeah, a fuller brushman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was sort of like you know a scrub. So, wait, uh, a fuller brushman? <laughs> fuller brushman? Was that, too, like- <laughs> was that a dated reference? <laughs> I know, like there are salesmen that sell fuller brush br- uh-huh. brushes. Is is is. Explain to me what a fuller brushman is. Someone who so sells fuller team. brushes. Yeah, but the way he said it was kind of like fuller brushman, like that's his name. Like, Well, yeah, but like how are fuller brushmen feral or uncouth? Well, or of a different they, class. Like you have to go around in the 50s and get invited. You have to have enough class to get invited into the homes in the suburbs to sell your fuller brush. Oh, you don't. People were just inviting randos into their houses in the 50s. <laughs> I wasn't around in the 50s. It was a free-for-all. <laughs> it was a free-for-all. I don't know who this guy is, but I bought a Hoover. <laughs> Percy. Percy. Okay, back to, back to Percy, the, the fuller brushman of the roundtable nights. <laughs> so he finds out from a recluse, who is, in fact, his aunt... That the round table is problematic <laughs> because it is worldly and uh, it instills pride. Uh, she also tells them that only three knights will actually achieve the grail. Two virgins and one who is chaste. So, chaste by virgin. So chaste just means abstaining, right? Like he's done it, but he's oh, just abstaining for now, right? Yeah. Okay. So and Galahad is the best. So she also says Galahad is the best. She says that um, to Percy. She says that to Percy, which causes nice. some consternation. Nice. Um, and some murderous impulses. So he also meets Sir Everlake or Mord- Mordrins, who, in the days of Joseph of Arimathea, asked God that he not be allowed to die until he had seen the knight who would achieve the Grail quest. So King Everlake is waiting somewhere to die. Rewind uh, a bit. At- Rewind a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. This guy knew Joseph of Arimathea. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he probably like saw the Holy Grail sitting on his mantle for a few days there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. go on. That's yeah. fine. That's uh-huh. that's yeah. enough. There's some there's some stories about. Someday that. I'm going to see that again, and I'm going to die. <laughs> it's like it's just sitting there with with like a toothbrush or some dentures in it at this point. <laughs> Blood stains. Yeah. <laughs> um. So now Percival gets his demon battles. So he has to fight the devil in three forms. All right. So the first one is a lady. I gives knew him, it. I well, knew it. Well, first, sorry, she's not the devil, but she does give him a black horse in return for his service. The horse runs four days for a journey, a journey of four days in an hour, and it's about to plunge into the sea when Percival crosses himself in fright and breaks the horse's demonic power. So it shakes him off and goes flaming and howling to the water. 
So he was riding the horse when it did this thing. What's well, okay because he's protected by Aflac. Aflac, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Aflac. So next, Percival sees a serpent fighting a lion. He takes the lion's part because it is a noble beast, unlike a serpent, and kills the serpent. Then, in a dream, the lady who owns the lion praises him, and the lady of the serpent demands that in payment for her pet, he becomes her man. He refuses. Another demon vanquished. I have a theory here. I have a theory. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is, this was written in 1450-ish. Okay. Percival's name means hard spear or steel spear. Okay. Probably. Purse. Uh-huh. I think it's per- purse and Val have these meanings. The lion is the symbol of the current, I believe, British royal house. In 1250 or so, that was the king of England was uh, King John or King John Softsword. Oh, wait a second. Okay. So the lion could represent that royal house. And I think there's a binary, dualistic, possibly like slash fic pairing going on here. I think you're right. I had never, I did not know that. There's a lot of things that you probably haven't worried about quite as much as I did. Like, why is his name <laughs> Soft Sword? <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> in my research, mm-hmm. I mean, I Googled it like 12 minutes ago. The whole, is Percival gay? Is that from the TV show? Is that from the legend like what's going on here i just think he's gay because like he just had like we just like a lady gave him a horse a lady dreamed him about a lion another lady dreamed of like there's more later he gets gayer he gets gayer there's a lot of resisting of sin or at least of ladies a lot of pushing away of ladies and a lot of very strange dynamics with the fisher king later yeah there's like a there's a daddy son relationship there that's Mm-hmm. A little off-putting. So tell me when, like the quote I just learned, tell me when I can share this quote. Okay. Can you share it now? Is, it, is now the time? Now is, if not now, when? He says, I may be gay, but that doesn't mean I don't know how to please a lady. You buy her a so? dress with pockets. <laughs> I have to say that's true. Sadly, that is true. So, okay, everybody get your shots ready. Oh, no. Oh, right, right, right. What are we drinking to this time? We're drinking to another mansplaining holy man. Oh, yes. So he shows up on a white ship, <clears throat> actually, uh, and explains that the allegory, the lady of the lion and the new, is the, the lady of the lion is the new law, faith, hope, belief, and baptism, and the lady of the serpent is the old law, served by a, the, served by a fiend, or served by fiends, the black horse and the serpent. And, um, of course, her request that Percival be her man was a temptation. The old law sounds awesome. No. Mm -hmm. I know, the old law is way more fun. Um, Two questions. Sure. Does every girl go through a horse and serpent phase? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, kind of. Yeah. Uh And if you avoid the sea, can you avoid, like, half of these mansplaining holy men? Um... They seem no, very they equi- show up on no. they're, they're, they show up a lot of graveyards. Okay. They do show up near water. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some just kind of randos at various yeah. the houses. Good, goodwill stuff. outlet barns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know how hard it is mm-hmm. to keep a ship white? Especially Oh yeah. True. Yeah. 
It's very true. Yeah. In what, 1450? I don't think they'd even invented soap back then. Maybe they used lime? Bleach? Oh, lime like the rock, not lime like yeah. the fruit. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's worth a shot? So, and I mean, I think white is understood loosely. Like, maybe it just kind of glows. Um, so the third, the third omen he sees is a black mm-hmm. ship with a beautiful maiden who gets Percival drunk and tries to seduce him. Have yep. we covered this already? No. Oh, okay. And then a holy man shows up again and says, <laughs> drink! <laughs> drink! <laughs> and says that the lady was the devil him herself, mm-hmm. and that Percy must be more careful from now on. Ugh. Okay. How many more? How many more manses do we have? Oh my god! <laughs> Let's get ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is kind of like a Dante moment where he's being told that he is—he's getting a little, getting a little too wishy-washy. So are we ready to go to Lancelot? See what Lancelot's up to. Let's do it. Okay. Do we get to drink? <clears throat> That's right. You're going to get another drink here pretty soon. So uh, Lancelot—he actually. Okay, there's some weird story that I don't quite understand, but he comes across a corpse in a nice shirt, and there's a demon standing over it. Okay. Uh, so, drink again. The Our friendly holy man shows up and tells uh, Lancelot to take some of the man's hair and wear it next to his skin. What does this mean? I have no idea. But Lancelot fails a test in choosing a black versus white knight in another battle shortly after. Uh-huh. And you have to drink <laughs> two times because he's chastised not only by the mansplaining holy man, but he brings along his mansplaining lady friend to give Lancelot the double deuce. There's an awful lot to care about in this story. It really is. Yeah. So, you know, beware the mansplaining folks. Um, the mansplaining double deuce. The mansplaining double deuce. <laughs> and, it, and there was some lady splaining here, too. And we've had some lady splaining earlier with uh, Galahad's aunt. So, mansplaining um, lady deuce is actually going to be aunt. the B side of my record. Um, <clears throat> hit band the fork basket. <laughs> I feel like, uh, oh, dang, who is the really precious like indie band aren't they all (laughs) (laughs) well let's just say that mansplainy mansplainy holy man or mansplainy lady friend is a cover band of one of those bands let's say okay of of neutral milk hotel (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about sir gawain okay sir gawain sir gawain um so he kind of you know, it's just kind of hanging out. Nothing happens for a while. But then he meets up with Ector, who uh, will become important later. Ector uh, has a prescient dream of Lancelot and himself jumping on some horses. Lancelot falls off. He's clothed in a knotted cloak, and he is trying to drink only to have water taken away from him. If only a holy man will show up and explain <laughs> what this means. <laughs> Keep that thought. So Gawain also dreams about some stuff, but that's not not super important. There's something about a train going through a tunnel, even though trains don't exist yet, and donut and a hot dog and football's going through tire swings. It's all very, again, prescient, but not important here. So they go off together to find <laughs> a mansplain. They search out a mansplaining hermit this time, and he explains everything to them. So 
Gawain is all about purity and whatnot. Ector is more juicy. So in his dream, the uh, chair signifies the royal line from which both Ector and Lancelot are born. Lancelot's fall means that he has hum- he has humbled himself. The knotted coat is his humiliation of the flesh, and the ass that he's riding on is a represents his humility. The sinking well that he can't drink from uh, refers to God's grace. Weird. What? And now withdrawn from him. Yep. And most importantly, though, he is going to suffer twenty four days in the hands of the devil, one for each year of sin. Then he gets to return to Camelot. That seems like a really good deal. See, this is one of those times where you're actually okay. Like yeah. you just go yeah, that's kind like, of on that's hiatus. Like debt refinancing version of hell. Right, 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 right. Like it's one of those like a house arrest situation yeah. pretty much, but in hell. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we're going to go to Boars. Okay. So he's all about sacrifice, Boars. So he meets Lancelot and accepts his advice to only eat bread and water and to wear no proud knightly clothes, but just a plain shirt under his armor. And fishnets. <laughs> <laughs> and he hands him this weird harness that yeah. doesn't really hold any pants up. Percy said you should wear this. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's still a little iffy on why there's a big metal ring in the center. Um, but he just like, okay, Lancelot says to do this. So he's going to do that. He kind of creaks as he gets on his horse. <laughs> um, so, so riding in this very creaky and slightly confused way, he sees a bird which kills itself for its young. What does that sound like? Poor planning. <laughs> <laughs> What's the swan that pecks its breast to feed its young? Didn't we go over that? Oh, yeah. I believe we did. Yeah, Yeah, we talked about that on this very podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a lot of birds uh, representing sacrifice. They don't do that in the real world. No. (laughs) No, they don't. Um, One, baby swans really don't eat blood. They rather have, you know, worms or whatever. But, yeah. Do we? Maybe maybe if, if push push came to shove. I mean, I think geese would definitely eat blood. Oh, geese. Geese yeah. totally eat a blood. I saw a, a parrot eat a eating baby. a turkey leg, and it really threw me. <laughs> Can I just say one funny story? So we went to Merida a couple of years ago, and we went to the zoo, which was really great. But I swear, we were there at feeding time, and I swear no matter what kind of animal it was, they threw it a frozen chick, a, a, a frozen turkey. Like... Every single animal, <laughs> no matter what you are, here's your frozen turkey. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, it was a hot day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so Boars eventually comes to a castle where a lady asks him to fight as her champion. So he agrees to do so. Um, but then he goes to bed and dreams. Everybody seems to dream a lot. Um He's then tested several times. There's a blackbird versus a white bird, and he chooses which represents choosing to help the maiden versus uh, helping his brother knight. Um, and also, uh, he's tested by listening to a false priest. Mm-hmm. Those mansplaining holy men. This was a bad one. So should have paid extra. <laughs> drink up, 
Because a true priest tells him that he chose correctly every step of the way. Oh, God. He chose the, he chose the new law and the holy church of the old way and of the devil. So the blackbird was the right choice. Is someone like paying money to get these priests to show up and just like at the right time and explain everything? Because it, it's weird. It's really weird. I feel like it's a, um, kind of early generation of computer game where you, you know, you walk into a room and there's kind of like this weird figure sort of like standing there kind of shimmering yeah. slightly and you have to go up and talk to it. Yeah, it's like, a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or Eliza, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's just like this 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 uh, game in- environment is just lousy with these kind of, you know, shimmering uh, mansplaining holy men that you have to seek out. So we're going to go back to Galahad. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So he eventually makes his way to the ship of Percival and Bors. So oh, Percival they're all together. And- yes. Uh, so let's see. Did I miss something with Percival and Bors getting on a ship? No, uh, I don't think so. Okay. This is so not the party barge. <laughs> no, no, it's the opposite of the party barge. So, uh, so he makes it his way to a ship where that Percival and Bors are on. Um, of course, a woman helps him do that, and they three, the three of them sail away to another ship, the ship of faith, that oh. only those most steadfast and sinless can climb aboard. Okay. So the woman who uh, is has brought them to this ship is Percival's sister. Okay, sure. She's I'll buy that. she's important, and you'll see why later. So Galahad. Gets another sword. He just Yay. keeps getting these swords. And then they go to a, another castle <laughs> and fight many enemies of God. Okay. There's not a whole lot of explanation of that. Sure. So drink. Okay. Holy man, a whole, another holy man leads them to the wasteland and dies. Okay. okay. Why? Why? Never mind. Never mind. I'm not questioning you anymore. The holy men are just throwing themselves at this plot. It's true. There's, yeah, there's just like, they, they are, it's lousy with holy men, as we've stated. And I think they are, they're kind of like tumbleweeds that occasionally <laughs> stop, <laughs> say some things, and then like, roll away. I was just going to say, I want to be a holy man, but that one just died. Like, yeah, for no died. reason. Mm-hmm. So maybe not. I think it's, I think there's a reason. I think I just got bored. Um, so then Percival's sister, so so they're at this castle and there's a woman there who, uh, this the, the lady of the castle, so she needs to be fed the blood of a virgin to make her better. This is, is this Dindrain? Yes, I think it is. Okay. The sister? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I bet Percy was just really put out that the sacrifice had required a virgin daughter. Even like saving himself for this martyr for so <laughs> Take many years. It. Um. Yeah, so so Dindrain uh, sacrifices herself to save the sick lady, okay. and she asks to be put back on the ship and uh, sent to sail away to a place where they're going to meet up again. Uh-huh. So, at this point, the knights part ways until they again meet up at the hall of uh, Pelham, the maimed king. Sure. And see, he's also the fisher king. Do we talk about him later? Uh, we talk about him later because uh, the Fisher King could also, he may be two kings. He may be a father and a son. He could be many people. Okay. Okay. I need to come back to that soon. 
Okay. You have some Fisher King intel? Quips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some notable quotes. Um, some uh, a blooper reel involving the Fisher King. The Fisher King blooper reel. <laughs> so, okay. So Lancelot now also boards the ship of Percival's dead sister. Um, picks up Galahad while he's on the ship, and they sail around for a bit, just sailing. Um, a voice eventually says that they will be parted until Judgment Day, and Galahad rides off Lancelot, and then Lancelot makes his way to the Castle Corbinic, uh, where the Grail is. Okay, but he is struck down and prevented from drawing near. Remember that dream? Wham! Yep, Okay. So he is in a coma for 24 days. And um, this is all predicted by Ector's dream. And he goes to the devil, but I could not find any. There's no, there's no, like nobody's even written fanfic about what happens when he's with the devil. <coughs> what I heard is this is a 24 yes. day coma. Yes. The mm-hmm. only thing I heard about it is that Gala, that um, Lancelot spends 24 days having really nice dreams. Yeah, it's very pleasant. Yeah. But supposedly he's with the devil, but he has these amazing... And that's weird. Like, okay, so, so the, the, why? The theory, not my theory, I don't care, mm-hmm. uh, is that um, <laughs> the Grail is punishing Galahad for something. Um, and the punishment is a coma, basically. I think it's and it's, it's a- all Guinevere-related, isn't it? I pro- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff tied up there. Um. This is where I'm like wondering is the is the Grail just like this catastrophe cup? Like is it just this engine of horror because like it lashes out at uh, Lancelot and puts him into a coma for two weeks, three mm-hmm. weeks, four weeks, and all the round table is gonna die or end up virgins. You know, either one is mm-hmm. not a super great fate. Um, <laughs> and you know, Percy will never come out of the closet. Priest, like this, mm-hmm. this cup is just bad news. But is it the cup or is it Mallory? I don't know. I hmm. don't know. I I feel mm-hmm. like the cup represents like a primal fear of marriage. Okay. <laughs> this is kind of the whole. It's like, are we reinterpreting this story with what we have now? What would? Yes. What would Sigmund Freud have said about the Holy Grail? What would Carl Jung have said about the Holy Grail? You know, what would Joseph of Arimathea said about the Holy Grail? It makes a nice well, ashtray. <laughs> I have to say, like, and again, this may be dealt with in, uh, do y'all, are y'all familiar with, like, Robert Bly and Iron John and the male wound? Yeah, we just saw, that just came up somewhere Yes, what? that came up at HavenCon. In the panel, <laughs> the panel immediately following us, Queering Spirituality, showed a picture of the holy wound and how very vaginal it was. Like, yes, mm-hmm. this is in my very recent experience. So, yeah, so in Iron John, and I'm kind of, ex- like, I'm trying to, this is sort of drunk history of Iron John, but uh, I, <laughs> I wrote a paper about Iron John and the movie um, Legends of the Fall. Um, and the whole idea of this male wound that has to be healed by the wild man, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this is all very related to this Grail story because in 
both those stories, like women are kind of the, if they, if not the inflictors of the wounds, they also have kind of created this culture where men cannot heal and they can only heal <laughs> in the company of other men and sort of, again, like absorb the wild man um, idea. And spoiler alert, at the end of Legends of the Fall, the big, uh, the big uh, shootout scene, like the woman has to die for the uh, patriarch to be able to get an erection again, represented by a gun. <laughs> so, so this is very similar. This is so similar. <laughs> okay. Hey, I mean, did they have the patriarchy in 1450? Yes. <laughs> that was a rueful laugh, by the way. Um, I don't know if you could pick up the rue. In that, um, it did get worse and worse, but <laughs> so I want to talk mm. about the holy wound since it came up just just now. No, the holy no. wound appears a, a a classic image of the holy wound appears in like the um, this one book of hours from the Middle Ages, and it looks kind of like a giant red cat's eye surrounded by illuminated manuscripts. But it doesn't look like a giant red cat's eye. It looks like a ho ho. <laughs> ho ho, like the cookie, like the dessert ho ho. Maybe I meant a hoo ha. <laughs> I like to imagine it's like this delicious, like chocolatey, cream filled. I, I, me- I meant it looks like a hoo ha, um, but it's <laughs> it's the wound on Christ's side, but it's a way for him to have a feminine side while still maintaining his masculinity because this wound takes on hoo-ha-like qualities. Drawn by someone who has never seen a hoo-ha before. Well, it's a very abstract <laughs> hoo-ha. Um, but w- when I was at this this panel on queer spirituality, he had a picture of this up there, and some cop, this is like a, an image in some books of ours, and some of them, the like gilding and color were like rubbed off as people kind of meditatively stroked the moon of Christ <laughs> over and over again. There's a lot of like, <laughs> for lack of a better word, fingering of Christ's mm-hmm. wound, right? The doubt, yeah, the yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. also that was also a theme. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Thank, thank you for humoring me. <laughs> it's the only polished part of the bronze statue. <laughs> so now, now uh, we need to <laughs> get some ho hos. <laughs> Stick him to. We should get like a crucifix and like affix some ho hos to Jesus's side, just to continue this uh, imagery. Uh, anywho, okay, so anywho. we've talked about Lance a lot, um, swooning for twenty four days, not missing out on the Holy Grail on account of his sin, and then so Galahad now comes to uh, King Mordren or Evelake. Evel- who I think is the same as Aflac, right? Yeah, you're right. So he's got three names. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So he's been waiting for him um, for 400 years, given that he's a contemporary of Joseph, right? So his story is he's waiting to see the guy that's going to get the Holy Grail finally. Yep. And so he hugs Galahad and then dies. Oh, that's a lovely story. Poor Galahad. So Galahad <laughs> kind of shuffles him off <laughs> and then rides on and um, <laughs> comes to the Lake of Fire, which, of course, is a symbol of lechery. There's okay. no holy man here to explain this. This is just like he kind of gets it by now. Sure, it's on the sign. Yep. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> Beware of lechery. And so he puts his hand in the water and it cools. The water cools are that good. He, okay, that's nice. The water cools. So he's able to chill the lake of fire. Then in the country of Gore. Wait, like priest kings of Gore? Probably. That, that novel series from the late 70s? Uh, maybe. I do not know. My guess is probably. Yes, without a okay. doubt. Okay. Okay, so Galahad in this kingdom of Gore, Galahad visits a burning tomb. So when he's there, the fire ceases and the body that has lain burning in the tomb for 354 years in punishment for a sin against Joseph of Arimathea is reburied. So he goes to this tomb, stops the fire, finds a body, and then reburies it. The body has been there for 354 years. So slightly less time than Mordred was waiting to die. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not sure who that body might have been. Jesus. I guess so. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh huh. See, man, you're a mansplaining holy man. Drink. <laughs> Me? No. I'm not such animal. <laughs> so this is in punishment for a sin against Joseph of Arimathea. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think the entire document was like sponsored by Joseph of Arimathea Estates. I think this was a vehicle for him to ha- stage a comeback. Okay, his comeback to Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, his sophomore effort. So eventually Galahad finds Percival and Boars, and Hello. they all ride to <laughs> the, the three caballeros. And um, they all ride to Corbinek, the castle of the maimed king. Okay. Tell him or slash the Fisher King. So do you want to talk about the Fisher King here? Well, I have a couple of questions. First off, yes. the Fisher King's wound, as we all know, that is wounded his thigh, which yep, is not yep, his yep. thigh. It is his mm-hmm. groin or important daddy bits. Mm-hmm. And the tragedy here is that he can't reproduce. Right. Apparently. Mm-hmm. But he's surrounded by virgins. So is that really a problem? There's like a weird like disparity there. Well, they're virgins because. Yes. yes. Daddy bits? Yeah. Like well, they, they wouldn't be virgins if because they have no say in the matter. <laughs> I mean, virgins are just laying around waiting to be unvirginated. I'm <laughs> unvirginated. <laughs> so, also, the Fisher King can only be healed if Percival asks him the question. Yes, yes. No one is clear on what the question is. I can only think of one. So I say, okay. When I say, is he going to ask you the question? Mm-hmm. S- what do you think the question is? Well, I think it's going to be, will you marry me? There is another thing about the question. There's another assumption about what that question is and why Percival doesn't ask it. I just have to find because it. Because if you know the question and the answer at the same time, the universe ends. I'll have to have the answer at 42. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, we've already established that. So, okay, in another version, Percival, or Parsival, who is also called, is a guest of the wounded Fisher King. And he, at that castle, he witnesses the grail and dies. Um, yes. And he sees, sorry, the grail procession. So he sees the grail being carried through the house and he fails to ask um, the significance of what he sees. And the reason why he fails to ask is because he has been advised of the impoliteness of asking too many questions. Oh, for fuck. <laughs> And because of that, he does not get, he does not cure the king. So wait, is the question, what was that? 
<laughs> like what? Why? Why is like? What did I just see? Was what that the, hell the grail? Was that? Is yeah, that what like, we're here for? So what does this mean? So I just he, have he didn't ask one uh-huh. more question about Percival healing the Fissure King. Is laying on hands involved? But does he heal the Fisher King? No, he doesn't. Yeah. So there must. Yeah. Like I think there's a lot of Percival fails because of, or sorry, yeah, Percival fails because of his inability to like take action, right? Whether that be to ask a question, to lay on hands, to he just can't say I love you, right? To like give in to the whatever, like what whatever the Fisher King needs. Whatever he needs, you know, it's sad. It's sad, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, <sighs> okay, so in Galahad, this is the time where he also is granted the right to choose the time of his death. And eventually <laughs> they arrive at Saris, like they leave the castle and go to Saris and they find Percival's dead sister. And then there's something about Galahad healing a cripple on the way, whatever. Whatever. Um, whatever. Did he ask him but- the question? <laughs> who, what's your are deal you a cripple who does your who does your what's hair your damage yeah <laughs> what's with the limp um <laughs> rude. <laughs> rude can we go back a step can we just can we talk about just the the unvirginated again because okay mm-hmm. i feel like it's just, just it's a great word waiting to be unvirginated kind of like olive oil like yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Like, it's just the world doesn't use this concept enough. We need to because it's a very particular thing. Yeah. Maybe, right? maybe it's disvirginated. Disvirginated. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Disvirginated. We just made a very. We just added to society. Yeah. By creating a new word. We can contact the secret order of English majors. Especially what Shakespeare <laughs> did. I mean, come on, guys. It's true. That's what a lot of people, Joyce did it. Everybody, everybody makes up words. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> elbow, come on, guys. <laughs> like, that's not a real word. <laughs> it's not a real bone. <laughs> it's just stupid. Um, <laughs> it's just stupid. <laughs> So after all this, the three knights are thrown into prison by a Saracen, but uh, the Grail comes and feeds them. Hello. Lucky them. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I got this old blood. Um, I brought you some spaghetti. <laughs> it's the <laughs> it's the it's the Olive Garden never ending breadsticks. Uh, <laughs> How to gain twelve pounds in jail. <laughs> So eventually the Saracen uh, gets sick and calls them out of prison to ask their forgiveness and dies. So what? Okay. Yeah. But then because a voice from the heaven tells the city that they're imprisoned in um, to do so, uh, Galahad becomes a king. And at the year's end, he sees a vision of Christ among his angels and asks Joseph of, of Amarathia to be raised to him. So his buddies see him transformed into spirit, into the sky. Percival becomes a hermit, sure. and Bors goes back to Arthur's sadly diminished court. This is a very unsatisfying story. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Yeah. I don't know if do you want to talk about the death of Arthur, because it's pretty significant, too. It, it's kind of the name of the book. <laughs> That's the final punchline. 
I guess we have to. Okay, so... Wait! Arthur <laughs> dies? I know! Well, oh, but does no. he? Does he die? That's the question. So, meanwhile, like, everybody comes... Or Lancelot and Boris go back to the court. It's sadly diminished. Mordred, meanwhile, has started a whisper campaign against, against Lancelot uh, and Guinevere. And suggests that Arthur kill Guinevere um, by burning her. I'm actually surprised huh? that Lancelot's still alive. I've lost the plot so many <laughs> times. I thought he was dead. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he woke up from his uh, little coma and went back to Camel. And yeah, so he's still alive. And it's unclear if he and Guinevere have picked up again or if Mordred is just making all this up. But Arthur almost kills Guinevere by burning her. But Lancelot intervenes. And wait, don't burn her. <laughs> exactly yeah he he just kind of comes in and does the little white knight thing so to speak but then there's this whole thing back and forth like arthur trying to kill well destroying lancelot's castle and uh the cow it's named joyous guard in case you didn't know that with his mind powers <laughs> <laughs> so <Like scanners>. but- <laughs> so while arthur's off storming lancelot's castle or doing his scanners bit mordred takes over and also takes over guinevere as well because she is just property um and he becomes the king of he takes over england and of course i don't mean to slut shame guinevere well she she does seem to get around well i don't think she's doing this by choice okay okay yeah and this is also incestuous but, okay, so the important part of this that I have a question about is Mordred is able to really win the majority of people over to his side. So is he the Antichrist? Well, I mean, yes. Sure, but... Yes. Or is he a Antichrist? Is Arthur or Lancelot or Galahad the Jesus figure? Because Galahad, Galahad has elements of Jesus figure in it, although he doesn't get better when he dies. No, but I also feel like Arthur's kind of this um, sort of deist idea of God where he sort of kind of winds up the clockworks and stuff happens, you know, but he kind of just lets it, lets things play out, like especially given the beginning of the Grail story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he's the Antichrist, that means that his doom is kind of prophesied, so Mm -hmm. we can't rule it out. Okay. So maybe he's an Antichrist. But (laughs) so Mordred and Arthur, of course, are going to go to battle. And (laughs) the night before Arthur, before the last battle, Arthur dreams of being on the Wheel of Fortune, which I (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Wait, is there a G? (laughs) Of course, he means the well, Okay, if I say, well, of course, he means the spinning wheel. It's still... Yeah, it doesn't change uh, there, yeah. Fortune! Oh, no, bankrupt. Yes, yeah, so here's a, here's a quote describing moral it. moral bankruptcy. <laughs> so, description of his dream of the Wheel of Fortune. And the king thought there was under him, far from him, a hideous deep black water. And therein was all manner of serpents and worms and wild beasts, foul and, or- and horrible. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not reading it in the, in the Middle English. And suddenly, the, it looks like Keurig but let's call it king, thought that the wheel turned upside down and he fell among the serpents and every beast took him by its 
by its loin. Thank you. Mm. And then the king cried out as he lay in his bed, help, 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 help. help, help. (laughs) So we have a vision of hell with the Wheel of Fortune. Well, I have to say that if I was on the Wheel of Fortune and I am Uh something of a like grammar, spelling and punctuation person, like can't spell. What? That's been established. Uh Nor can I pronounce foreign words. If I have a phrase like, and he fell among the serpents, spelled F-E-L-L-E-A-N-O-I-N-G-E, the serpentis, that would be hell. Because imagine playing Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) (laughs) And those vowels vowels aren't worth anything. With the non-standard spelling. That's right. May I buy a thorn? (laughs) (laughs) Ligature. (laughs) Ethel. King, um, King, K Y R I G E. I know, right? Why is there? That's what that went through. Nobody me. wins. Took, nobody wins this game. I even took Middle English, but I don't remember that. Okay, so helpy, helpy. <laughs> so somebody tells Arthur to wait for Lancelot to come to his aid. And not fight, but he just nonetheless does because he doesn't trust that. Probably another um, holy Even man. though he's had this dream. He needed a mansplaining holy man. Yeah, everybody he does. Did. Everybody does. At the end of the day, Mordred is the only man of his army left standing. And Arthur has only two knights, Sir Lucan and Sir Bedivere. Not previously mentioned in this movie. No. <laughs> there again, just kind of like, what are, who are we? What, when did we show up? So against Sir Wait, Lot- Lance. Well, at least we know they're not virgins. <laughs> <laughs> oh we thank ca- wow. the lord wow yeah mm-hmm. so you know bless their hearts so against sir, sir lucan's advice arthur because they're like okay what's the point um arthur fights mordred and kills him but he gets his own death wound as he does so oh so at Arthur's command, Bedivere carries the king to the waterside where a barge awaits him and some ladies in black hoods, which could be uh, oh, banshees. What are my notes? Bean eye babies. <laughs> they're bean eye babies. But actually, I think they're related to uh, the story of Christ because you have oh. Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Martha, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The three M&Ms. So I think there's a relationship there. Um Okay. Yeah, um, so Bedivere puts Arthur on the barge, and he is borne across to Avalon, um, maybe to heal his wounds, maybe to die. Bedivere wanders through a forest until he comes to her, uh, here we go, mansplaining hermit, who is kneeling over a fresh grave. And it is the grave of a man brought to him at midnight by the ladies in black. So maybe that is Arthur. So whether or not we that's Arthur, no one knows, but some say that... He lives, and some say not. But this brings us to potential resurrection stories. Like, he's kind of like the golem. Like, he's supposed to be there until England needs him again. But there's some kind of funny stories of people almost (laughs) resurrecting Arthur. Uh, You think he would have appeared during Brexit? (laughs) I was was intentionally not making a Brexit joke. You ruined it. Supposedly he's still there, right? Um, so these are two stories that are told in Fairies, Ghosts, King Arthur, and Hounds from Hell, the pagan and medieval origins of British folklore, um, which is pretty heavy on the Hounds of Hell. I just want to say that. Excellent. So there's one site where he's 
associated with a sewing shields castle. And the tradition asserts that the whole King Arthur, Guinevere, and the whole court and his hounds um, are in what a cave in this area, like below this castle. And if anybody wants to raise them, they need to first blow a bugle horn that is on a table um, near the entrance into the hall where the, the, they're buried. And then with the sword of stone, which is also there, very handy, cut the garter also placed beside it. But nobody really knows where the entrance to this enchanted hall was, or nobody knew until a farmer <laughs> was uh, sitting knitting in the ruins of the castle. This is like 50 years after after everybody's buried, and his needle fell. And so he ran downwards through the rush of briars and fell into a passage. So he believed that he found King Arthur's Hall, and so he cleared the portal of its weeds and entered the passage and kind of followed in the dark, like found his way through the dark with the, the his needle and, and thread. So the floor is covered in toads and lizards, there's bats, and um, so everything's kind of freaking out as, at his entrance. So he um, is kind of thinking, maybe I'm wrong, that he sees a light. So he goes towards the light, gets brighter and brighter, that comes to this huge Starbucks. Hall. <laughs> yes, Starbucks are everywhere. So yeah, there's actually a Starbucks like at the entrance. And so this is kind of like the satellite Starbucks. <laughs> so yeah, they don't have like the hot foods at this one. <laughs> so there's a fire blazing and he sees actually the figures uh, reposing uh, in thrones and couches. So there's, you know, he sees the hounds kind of uh, laying nearby and on the table, sees the horn, the knife, and the garter. So he reverently but firmly grasps the sword, <laughs> problem one, and as he drew it leisurely from its rusty scabbard, the eyes of the monarch and his courtiers began to open. They rose till they sat upright. He cut the garter, and as the sword was being slowly sheathed, the spell assumed its ancient power, and they all gradually sank back to rest. But not before the monarch lifted up his eyes and hands and exclaimed, Oh, woe betide that evil day on which this witless white was born, who drew the sword, the garter cut, but never blew the bugle horn. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't read the instructions. No, and no, his, he had one job. And his wife said, couldn't you just say you were drinking with your friends at the pub? <clears throat> It's like Andy Cap has just wandered down there. Uh. <laughs> okay, so another, there's another story, uh, this time associated with Richmond Castle. So Arthur, like, there's a gazillion places. Well, maybe not a gazillion, but there's several places associated with Arthur. This one is Richmond Castle. So this tale was uh, recorded in 1892. Very similar story. A certain Potter Thompson, Potter Thompson was well led into the vault where he saw the king and his knights again, saw the horn and the sword. He began to draw the sword, but as the sleeper stirred, he was frightened and dropped it. A voice exclaimed, Potter, Potter Thompson, if thou hadst either drawn the sword or blown the horn, thou hadst been the luckiest man that ever yet was born. So he went back and blew the horn right then. <laughs> Well, I wonder, I mean, is it you can only do it once? Like, Are there rules? Like you get one chance. Yeah, so you have to blow the bugle. Horn first, then uh -huh. twice. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Okay. And everybody keeps missing that first step. 
So, so yeah, so people keep failing, <laughs> resurrecting Arthur in his court. Yeah, so he's mostly associated with Glastonbury Abbott and Glastonbury Tour, where he is supposed to be lying, just waiting to be discovered. But there's a there's actually a plaque at Glastonbury Abbey where supposedly in 1191 his tomb was uncovered by builders working on the restoration of the abbey. But nobody really knows if that's true or not. And it may have just been a way for them to raise funds to <laughs> rebuild the abbey, as you may imagine. Nice. Yeah. And so Glastonbury Tour. Because <laughs> um, the, the miracle of the lily that wilted when someone denied the virgin birth just wasn't bringing in the funds like it used to. No, no. People get kind of jaded. So this one, the beneath the tour at Glastonbury Tour, uh, there's a, supposed to be a subterranean kingdom ruled over by the Lord of the Wild Hunt, Gwynapnud. So this is why there's a connection to Arthur. Um, and there's supposed to be a maze under there. Well, there's a maze um, on top, too. Yeah, yeah. That uh, was used by priests and priestesses to reach the stone circle that crowned the tour. So That's inconvenient. Um, <laughs> it's true. So supposedly from the summit of the tour, there's a you could see well, you could see the view of the surrounding countryside, but it was once supposedly once an island, and that's why it's thought to be Avalon, where you know Arthur was supposed to be healed of his wounds and come to rest to be called again. So the the fact that it's assumed to be Avalon is feeds the rumor that he's actually buried in Glastonbury Abbey. So, yeah. And supposedly, Joseph of Arimathea <laughs> supposedly also came to Britain and supposedly brought Christ with him at one point when Christ was a child. That seems... And it was supposed to be in this area as well. That whole Brutus legend again. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like back to Indiana Jones, which was a great, you know, set of movies. But then the, the follow-up series, like the Young Indie series, was great. We know how this ends, but what if, like, Young Indie, the Young Christ, like, what a great TV show. Here I am at Glastonbury Abbey, here I am with Avalon. Click. Duckface. <laughs> <laughs> Be kind of like Little Big Man, but Christ. Like, oh, that yeah. was the end of my religious period. <laughs> <laughs> oh see we have so many good ideas we just need backers we just need funds uh-huh so give to the pantheon and we'll make a a version of little big band starring christ uh for every dollar you donate i will spend it unwisely on Lacroix. <laughs> uh so yeah so i the, you know people are constantly wondering if our arthur is real um, there's a lot of political reasons why different families claim to be descendants of Arthur. You know, according to the Mormon genealogical database, most of us are. It's true. It's true. But yeah, many, many people believe that he is related to several Celtic figures. Again, sort of an amalgam of all of these tales. So we will never really know if he's waiting to be reborn and or if he was real. Totally real. Why is there even a question? Gosh, oh ye of little faith. What's bigger than World War II and the Blitz? Right, I mean... There's What's he waiting for? 
<laughs> the funny. glam revival happened and he didn't get up. <laughs> well, didn't didn't Glassmer Abbey get hit by a bomb? Like, maybe he woke up and then got... Oh, oops. Yeah. yeah. Well, nobody blew the bugle. They blew the bugle I mean, up. There's rules. <laughs> there are rules for a reason. Okay. If you have to follow the process. So, so that's the story of the Holy Grail. That's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, dear listeners, we'll be, conti- <laughs> we'll be continuing this story in probably four weeks after episode 42 as we go on to our sixth episode of our trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever going to listen to us again. We may have to... We have to take um, change, a hiatus change, from the Celtic world. Change the name. Well, you will. Episode 42. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feel free oh, and uh, write us at thedispatchist at gmail.com. Yes. Or on Facebook at mm-hmm. the Dispatchist podcast. Let's talk about hell, I think is what it is. You'd think I would know by yeah. now. Twitter at the Dispatchist. And mm-hmm. any of these places is a wonderful yeah. place to ask us questions for next episode, which is going to be episode 42. Big Instagram. questions. Instagram. Instagram. I'm so Dispatches. sorry. It's okay. Dispatchist underscore, underscore podcast. The question could be, would you like a dollar? Easy answer. <laughs> the answer is yes. I would like a dollar. So, yeah, there are, yeah, like uh, we would answer everything from, what happens to unbaptized babies? We'll be answering that at length. <laughs> what happens to disvirginated ladies? That's right. What's your favorite hellworm? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All of them. Um, How can you choose? I know. There's so many faces. Mm-hmm. Who is the Antichrist? If we had to... If, <gasps> if, you know what we yeah. could do? The Antichrist bracket? Yes. <laughs> we could offer dream interpretation. If you had oh. a dream about worms falling out of your teeth, oh, we 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 have a framework. Tweet us, yo, and we will tell you basically you're a sinner and you need to repent. But mm-hmm. I would like oh. to propose that people ask us questions about hell. Well, here's one. Here's one. If you you can't ask, you're a host. Well, but, but I'm I'm seeing like I'm offering choice. Like okay, oh, right, some, okay, some food for thought. You've committed a sin. You've committed many sins. That's that's true. Do you want to know what circle of hell you'll wind up in? Oh, oh yeah, that's important stuff there mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there there's disagreements on this. Yep, 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 yep. So and it might be handy to know that ahead of time, right? Well, you got to set up a chart. Yep, you got to pack. Okay, but in the meantime, we'll see you in hell. Bye. 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 This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. <laughs>